0: Three years ago last month, a man walked into an Amish schoolhouse, took 10 girls hostage, shot them, and then shot himself. The gunman and five of the girls died. The girls who died were Naomi Rose Ebersole, age 7, Anna Mae Stolfus, 12, Marianne Fisher, thirteen. Mary Liz Miller, eight, and her sister, Lena Miller, seven. The gunman, Charles Carl Roberts IV, was a 32-year-old milkman with a wife and three daughters. In a note he left for them, he wrote of his self-hatred, his anguish over the death of his fourth daughter in infancy, and his molestation of young relatives in the past. Inured to violence as we have become, these killings shocked us. But perhaps even more shocking was the response of the Amish community. Forgiveness. They offered to pay for the murderer's funeral, which they respectfully attended. They offered to pay for counseling for his family, They insisted that any funds raised be shared with his family. As he stood over the body of his 13-year-old granddaughter, an Amish patriarch told the children in his family, we must not think evil of this man. Many of us marveled at a faith so deep as to allow indeed to command forgiveness of such brutality. Others were offended. In his Boston Globe column, Jeff Jacoby declared that hatred is not always wrong and forgiveness is not always deserved. If anything deserves to be hated, surely it is the pitiless murder of innocence. I wish the Amish well, Jacoby wrote, but I would not want to be like them, reacting to terrible crimes with dispassion and absolution. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, the psalmist writes, the murder of the Amish girls was a deeply hateful evil. There is nothing godly about pretending it wasn't. So which is the appropriate response? Rage or forgiveness? Hatred or love? Was Charles Roberts a blight on humanity or a good man bearing horrible emotional wounds? Why does it have to be either or? Why not both and? America is the greatest country on earth. America is the worst country on earth. The Bible teaches hatred, the Bible teaches love. Human beings are beautiful, human beings are ugly. I love my kids. My kids drive me crazy. I want to simplify my life. I want more stuff. This congregation is full of generous, caring people. This congregation is full of know-it-alls who constantly annoy each other. Fred is a wonderful minister. Fred is a jerk. Not either or, (laughs) both and. Paradox, truth in apparent, apparent contradiction. Live at the empty heart of paradox. The Sufi poet Rumi wrote, I'll dance there with you, cheek to cheek. Paradox is the soul of religion. If your religion can't handle paradox, it's not religion, it's anesthesia. Religion must be paradoxical, because reality is paradoxical. According to quantum physics, subatomic matter behaves like a wave and like a particle at the same time. Humanity as a whole, and each one of us, each one of us is at once noble and brutish, peaceful and violent, generous and selfish, kind and cruel. We are separate from nature and part of nature. We are separate from God and part of God. We are perfect and flawed, saved and damned, already broken and already whole. Yes, the Psalms of David, sung and celebrated by Jews and Christians and Muslims, say, Let those who love the Lord hate evil. But they also say, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Two months ago, Jews observed Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when forgiveness is offered and received. Jews understand paradox. The great Yiddish writer Shalom Alechem told the story of two men deadlocked in argument. They bring their dispute to the local rabbi. After listening to the first man's long complaint against the other, the rabbi says, you are right. When he hears the second man's impassioned rebuttal, the rabbi says, you are right. The rabbi's wife, overhearing protests, they can't both be right. The rabbi turns to his wife and says, you know, you too are right. Christianity is founded on paradox. Christianity says Jesus was at once human and divine. That God is at once Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That communion, bread, and wine is not just bread and wine, but also the body and blood of Jesus Christ. How often should I forgive, Peter asks Jesus, as many as seven times? Jesus answers not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. And then Jesus launches into a parable about a slave whose master forgives his crushing debt. But then the same slave refuses to forgive a debt owed to him by another. When the master finds out, he's so angry at the unforgiving slave that he reinstates his debt and orders the slave tortured until he pays it. Jesus says, so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now that's paradox. (laughs) God will not forgive our lack of forgiveness. (laughs) St. Francis of Assisi prayed paradoxically, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. His prayer echoes the paradoxical Tao De Jing: If you want to become whole, let yourself be partial. If you want to become straight, let yourself be crooked. If you want to become full, let yourself be empty. If you want to be reborn, let yourself die. If you want to be given everything, give everything up. The Christian philosopher G.K. Chesterton wrote, Love means to love that which is unlovable, or it is no virtue at all. Forgiving means to pardon the unpardonable, or it is no virtue at all. Faith means believing the unbelievable, or it is no virtue at all. And to hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. Paradox. We know it, we live it every day of our lives and yet we resist it. Certainty is so seductive. The mind and spirit can take only so much confusion and disorientation. We yearn for solid ground on which to stand firm. We search for it in religious dogma, political ideology, cults, gangs, sports teams, brand names, corporate logos. Red Sox, Rock, Yankees, (laughs) do something else. Barack Obama is the Messiah, Rush Limbaugh is the Antichrist, or vice versa. I'm a product of my conditioning. I am fully responsible for everything I do. We should celebrate diversity. We should treat everyone the same. Race does not exist. Race is crucial. It's all about race. It's all about class. It's all about gender. It's all about sexual orientation. It's all about age. It's all about physical ability. It's all about God. Not either or. Both and. Nowhere is paradox more important than in contemplating the ultimate mystery sometimes called divine. Why dost thou prate of God, demanded Meister Eckhart, the 14th century mystic. Whatever thou sayest of him is untrue. Because God transcends language, language always fails in describing God. We can only hint at the Divine indirectly through contradiction, misdirection, and metaphor. As Christian theologian Sally mcfaig reminds us, all theology is metaphor. And metaphor is always paradoxical. Something is and is not. The metaphor we use to describe it. When we say love is a drug, and football is war, and politics is a horse race, we're saying that each of these things is and is not what we've just called it. And so it is with God, the Father, Mother, Spirit, Friend, Eagle, Tree, Ocean, universe is is not both and Nicholas of Cusa the 15th century Catholic cardinal mathematician and astronomer wrote that in seeking God I observe how needful it is for me to enter the darkness and to admit the coincidence of opposites beyond all the grasp of reason and there to seek the truth, where impossibility meeteth us." Unitarian Universalism, I am proud and chagrined to say, is full of paradox. We are a religion without a creed, a faith without agreement that God even exists, an elite that champions democracy. We affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person and respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We insist upon compassion and justice. We revere teachings which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves and teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science. We have no saints. But we do have the poet Mary Oliver, surely the next best thing. (laughs) To live in this world, she writes, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends upon it. And when the time comes to let it go, let it go. Paradox. It's like a koan, one of those riddles Zen masters use to blow the mind and shatter the ego. What is the sound of one hand clapping? What was your original face before your mother and father were born? Does a dog have Buddha nature? When we surrender to paradox, we are left with humility and awe at the mystery of it all. We dwell in what John Keats called negative capability, where we are capable of being in uncertainties, mysteries, doubts, without any irritable reaching after fact and reason. appreciating paradox does not incapacitate Unitarian Universalists demand respect for the inherent worth and dignity of every person we defend the interdependent web of all existence we stand on the side of love but we know that those who oppose us also have inherent worth and dignity they are bound to us and we to them by the interdependent web of all existence. And as we stand on the side of love, we remember that love takes no side, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. endures all things. Paradox. Our world is not a child's nursery of bright primary colors. It's a shadowland of nuance and ambiguity, a dappled world not of always and because, but of sometimes and somehow and therein lies its tragic, unutterable beauty. In the summer of 1877, the year he was ordained a Jesuit priest, Gerard Manley Hopkins composed a kirtle sonnet, an abbreviated sonnet form of his own invention. He called this one Pied Beauty. Glory be to God for dappled things, for skies of couple color as a brinded cow. For rose moles all in stipple upon trout that swim, fresh fire coal, chestnut falls, finches wings, landscape plotted and pieced, fold, fallow, and plow. And all trades their gear and tackle and trim, all things counter original spare, strange. Whatever is fickle, freckled, who knows how, with swift, slow, sweet, sour, a dazzle, dim, he fathers forth whose beauty is past change. Praise him. Be ours a religion of paradox A tabernacle of ambiguity, a shrine to dappled things, where we see through a glass darkly. The light reaches us muted, refracted, sometimes barely at all. May we who dwell together here worship and sing and quarrel and make up and rejoice together. May we live in the world and reach for the light, both and. Amen and blessed be.